You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the gastro into. I kind of forget how I usually do this. Uh, welcome to the gastro enteritis blues. Uh, we're a podcast. My name is Steve Lipman. I am with Dan Volpone, who is halfway through his second twisted tea, uh, and Emily Anderson, my good friends. How are you both doing? I'm happy to see you both. Let's start with Emily. Um, I'm doing great. I was just ta- telling you guys how I spent the weekend in the suburbs and they creeped me out. So I'm mm-hmm. happy to be back in the city. Yes. And Dan, how are you? I'm good. I'm back at school, thinking about Shake Milton, making myself happy. So yeah. not bad at all. Great. Good stuff. Uh, we should get to the news of the hour. Uh, the Sixers were supposed to play tonight. We were going to podcast late for you, whoever's listening. Uh, but then they got canceled because of more COVID things. Uh, the game got postponed uh, due to contact tracing with the Grizzlies. Uh, Kyle Newbeck of Philly Boy says that the Sixers do not have any new positive tests to report, to report at this time. And Woj said that Jonas Valanciunas, the center on Memphis, who the Sixers played last night, uh, has entered the health and safe- safety protocol. Uh, Dan, Yes. Uh, Molly, we have an interview with Molly Sullivan at the end. We should also mention that when you clicked on this, it probably said something about how we interview Molly Sullivan. Yes, we did that a few days ago. Molly was wonderful. Uh, excellent get by Emily. Um, and, uh, she was great. So that we're just going to do a lot of really fun stuff. She was awesome. So we're just going to do like a half hour on the news of the moment and of the week and the games, uh, and then get out of the way and go to our interview with Molly. The stuff you really it. want, not us just rambling. <laughs> yes, yeah. the reason the reason you're really here. Um, so, any do you guys have any any thoughts on? It seems to me like a common theme with uh, coronavirus is if you have coronavirus and then you play someone in basketball while you have coronavirus, then that person very often gets coronavirus. Dan, what do you think of that? It was weird because the. We were just complaining last pod that the contact tracing, I guess, like criteria made no sense because Correct. it didn't count like anything that happened, you know, during the 48 minutes of the basketball game. Mm-hmm. And then they banned everything that happened after the basketball game. So you would think that contact tracing between teams based on this criteria wouldn't be a thing. Mm-hmm. And now the Sixers are out for contact tracing because someone on the team they just played tested positive. I have no idea how this works. And I'm so confused. Those, those are my only that thoughts. 
for a fact though that he tested positive or is there a chance that it's just like health and safety protocols because he was near someone that tested positive i don't that's positive that's possible that like it could be that Valentunas is significant other text tested positive and then it, they went about it that way uh, at this point we don't know we're recording this at 6 30 p.m eastern time on sunday uh so i guess we'll see we don't know you know if the sixers continue to test negatively then uh, you know they don't have a game again until wednesday uh when they play boston so if the tests continue to look good i would imagine that they would be basically full strength then but we did not mm-hmm. get we, I mean, we talked about this last week. I was positive that us doing a late night podcast would definitely come after a loss to Oklahoma City. The only other one that we did in the same way was a loss to Cleveland. Anyway, let's get to it. Uh, the biggest thing that happened this week on Wednesday, James Harden was traded not to the Sixers, instead to the Brooklyn Nets. They play in New York. I'm going to read just a few things. Um, to detail what happened, basically Harden to the Nets, Karis LeVert went to the Rockets, and then the Rockets sent him to Indiana. I hope he's okay. He They found a mass on his kidney, so now he's out for a while, and yeah, they're holy trying to figure shit, out what's going geez. on. Insane. Do so you guys scary. remember the John Dorenboss trade where they found yeah, a similar yeah. thing, and it exactly saved, like his, saved life. his life? Yeah. Um, so, you know. Yeah, hope he's fine. More than anything. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's hope hope so that scary. it's just – you know, something benign and they can remove it and, and he's good to go. Uh, Jared Allen went to Cleveland, uh, eight drafts worth of first round picks, either swaps or picks themselves went to uh, Houston uh, along. Yeah. And they ended up getting Oladipo. There are other things that are part of this. I'm just giving you the main stuff. The Sixers were in it until the very last minute there. Uh, they, you know, Mark Stein was saying that the Rockets were pursuing a trade with, Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey, uh, who the Sixers, I think, were hesitant to give up. Um, let me just go through some of what we've heard here. This is from Austin Krell on Twitter, who said that this is from the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorse. Uh, Sixers never told Ben Simmons he was going to be traded, but he was prepared to be traded today. There was a consensus in Philadelphia front office. There was not a consensus, I'm sorry, that trading Simmons for Harden was a good decision. My guess is Rutgers still hanging out somewhere in there. Uh, Philly was unwilling to put Maxi in a trade. Uh, Windhorse brings up that Bradley Beal could be available in two months and that that may fit the Sixers' timeline better. I would quibble with that just because I think the timeline is now regardless. Um, in other words, Philly wanted to give it more time and collect data, as Maury would say, before they would do something extreme. Uh, there's a report from, I think, Chris Haynes that Tillman Fertitta was adamant about not trading Harden to the Sixers. Um, and then this from Keith Pompey, who will he be on next week? Not sure. Probably not. Keith said, another league source said the Rockets never called the Sixers back, been there, know what I'm saying, ladies, for a counteroffer before making the four-team blockbuster deal that sent Harden to Brooklyn. Uh, Let's see. But the Sixers thought they had a deal for Harden done, according to sources. The team won't come out and say it, but Maury pushed hard to reunite with the 2018 MVP. Simmons and Thibel were even informed by their agents on Wednesday of an expected trade. And finally, Mark J. Spears of Yahoo says hearing Ben Simmons was pretty ecstatic to not be traded to the Sixers, uh, to Houston for James Harden, and believes the team is capable of bringing a title to Philadelphia. Doc Rivers 
also uh, wanted to keep Simmons around. There's a lot of stuff. Um, I'll give a few thoughts and then I want to go to Emily. Um, I really wanted Harden. I really wanted this to happen. Um, the more I've watched, you know, the Sixers having a chance to trade for James Harden completely changed the way that I feel like I watch Ben Simmons. Every other year, I feel like I'm such a defender. And a lot of times because the, the surrounding circumstances are so shitty um, that it's like, by the time we talk about trading Ben Simmons, it's like, hey, how about all these other assholes that are ruining everything? Um, <laughs> I just, I really want it to happen. Now, I really don't want to trade Tyrese Maxey. I love Maxey and I think he's young and controlled for a long time and uh, could could definitely be very good. It's, I don't know exactly what to believe in terms of for Tita not ever really trading with Maury. I think that, like he's just putting a tax on Maury where it's like if another team had Ben Simmons and Thibault and a few picks, they would do it. But since it's Maury and he left in sort of a contentious way, they're adding even more to that, you know, to pay the tax of, you know, being that, that team. Um, so anyway, you know, Simmons is still here. I think that it's a strange thing now where it's very obvious that, you know, Daryl denied that, he would ever trade Ben Simmons. Clearly that is not the case. Like it's not like Ben's an untouchable player. And I think it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube with that, because now this young all-star who's represented by clutch knows that he was, you know, for some extent on the table. Um, so we'll see, we'll see where it goes from here. I was very disappointed to not get Harden, um, but I was, it was definitely seeming like it was going to be quite a bullet to bite in terms of the cost. So uh, that's where I'm at. Emily, you throughout the whole time had been much more on the other side, wanting to keep Ben. What was your initial feeling? Start with as the day's going on and the rumors are getting heavier. And then when he got traded. So initially I, I'll say it like point blank, whatever. I'm happy that we didn't get him. I didn't want uh -huh. him. Right. Um, I know I've been saying that, but like, even as it came up, I still didn't want him. I did at one point say I would only take him if he stayed fat because it would be funnier. 100% um, agree. Yeah. I also really do, now. I really do think he was wearing a fat suit. I 100% <laughs> think he was. I think it was part of his like shtick to get Houston to trade him faster. And that's not the kind of guy that I want on my team. <laughs> so I, my, my point rests. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I think, I mean, all this stuff, <laughs> coming out that Bertita wouldn't trade with Maury. I mean, does that make you feel better? Like there's nothing we could do anyways, because there was no way the Sixers were going to be able to pony up that many picks and they're legit. That would legitimately like, and if they had traded say Maxi Ben and a bunch of picks, like that would just like deplete the system for the next, you know, however many years. So, okay. You have this two year window with Harden, but who's to say he doesn't get unhappy. Like I was listening <clears throat> to something um, and it was, it was, what was it? It was, oh, Rosillo and Bill and Jackie McMullen. So take it for what Why do you do that to yourself? You listen to them? I like Jackie McMullen. I like, oh my I like God. women's sports. Like better than those people. I like listen women's sports. Listen to us. Listen to our old Right? Episodes. Yeah, we're better. We've got some classics. But anyways, <laughs> um, they were talking about, you know, Harden really has in, in creating Houston left a lot of like, just put it in like, left a lot of bodies in his wake. You know, he made them mortgage all this stuff for Westbrook and then decided that's not what he wanted. He wanted this and then that's not what he wanted. So I don't want 
to like they did everything for him and for him to just like be like you gotta go i'm gonna wear a fat suit until you trade me like that's just not what i'm interested you're in you're making it sound team. like it was big mama's house which meanwhile was a great movie that it, dan has never I heard mean, of, but you've you seen have. the side by side i don't know I what that is. <laughs> shocking dan <laughs> Um, so I would just say like, I just, I, with the price that the Nets paid, if this doesn't uh-huh. work out, they're screwed for the next 15 years. I mean, not the eight years, at least like they're screwed. So they better hope it works out. But you know, is Kyrie playing again ever? I don't know. Are these players going to get along? Like, can they each get enough touches to make them happy? Mm-hmm. Like there's no way to know. And I just think that's too big of a risk to mortgage eight years of your franchise's future, especially when we have someone like Joel. So would you say you were relieved? Like when it didn't happen, were you basically relieved? I was relieved. I mean, I, I could have gotten behind sure. it if it was just like, if it was like Ben and Thibault and like a pick, I would have gotten behind it. But like, if we had traded what the Nets traded, I would have been pissed. Yeah. So um, I, one thing I just want to throw in before Dan is the fact that Maury's the GM. I do have confidence in him. I do have confidence that he knows the line, you know, like that he is comfortable going to. And, 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 you know, if it was everything, you know, if he literally felt like he could do everything and, and should do everything, I feel like he would have done that. Like um, unless, unless of course, you know, Tillman was never going to do it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if that's the case, and we talked about nothing for a long time because they purely <laughs> use them for leverage. I don't know. I, and good um, for them. They got a lot out of it. They got everything from Brooklyn. I, I was, the thing I always thought about Brooklyn though, was like everything must've been on the table weeks ago. Like Karis LeVert should not be a headliner of a James Harden trade. So of course they have to trade all their picks. So I, I, maybe that might not be the way it panned out. You know, like maybe they slow played it and it was up until Wednesday when Brooklyn said, sure, all of these picks. I don't know. Um, yeah. Dan, uh, obviously you were on the other end of the spectrum and, and were disappointed along with me. Take me through uh, how you feel about how it went down and everything after. So... Long pause. One of one of my first thoughts was the Jerome Weissman report from earlier that the Rockets were asking for Ben Simmons and three first round picks from the Sixers. And at the time, I said, you know, if that's what it takes, I would do that now. Mm-hmm. And other people who who I respect and I still respect, and it's nothing against them. But there was kind of a consensus against me that was, if that's on the table now, you don't even take it. You wait. And as it turns out, the Sixers probably offered that and more and didn't get it because they waited until Brooklyn came into the picture, mm-hmm. until Brooklyn decided Kyrie's not around. We need to, you know, who knows when Kyrie will be around. We need to go get, go get that other star now. Um so that if that is true, if your if your own was was you know correct that that was even an offer that could be taken at the time, that hurts. I don't feel a need to you know relitigate my stance on this because mm-hmm. I've you know I've talked about it plenty. I'm very pro Harden. Um, I understand the anti Harden side. I I you know personally don't really care about those things, but I you know it's fine. Whatever. Um, Ben Simmons has had a particularly bad week. Um, mm. 
again, whatever. But he definitely looks slower. He looks less willing to look at the rim. His jump shot is still nothing special. And by nothing special, I mean nothing competent. Mm -hmm. He is turning the ball over more. He's has not taken any step forward on offense. And I don't mean jump shot. I mean, finishing on the rim. Mm -hmm. He's worse. He's finishing. And this is not just me, you know, I test. He's statistically finishing worse at the rim. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I'm out on Ben because I think that that would be premature after, you know, what is legitimately very bad 10 or so game stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to say that this has not been a disaster. He has been a disaster on offense this season. And, you know, that is not a good reason to be out on a guy who was all NBA last year. And I won't pretend it is. But if you're another team, I think that's a good reason to pause. I think that's a good reason to say, okay, so this guy who already had a bunch of weaknesses is now adding more weaknesses to this list. And I mean, significant weak weaknesses. I mean, a guy who, who, who won't look to score a guy who is not finishing at the rim when he does look to score, he's averaging more than four fewer points than he did last season. <clears throat> he's shooting fewer than 10 shots a game, including a few games he's played without Joel Embiid in the game where they needed his scoring. Mm-hmm. And so if you're Houston, I mean, yes, we can say, yeah, there was an Embiid tax, whatever, but 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 was there how much how or I'm sorry a Mori Mori yeah 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 a Mori tax how much of a Mori tax was there really because if you watch Ben play this season and of course you know draft picks are great until they turn into a real person and we can say that all we want and that person is probably worse than Ben absolutely fully behind that but at the end of the day they took a couple extra picks the swaps are crap they're not the swaps are not going to come about and they took one maybe two extra picks over Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And that makes me reevaluate because I had, you know, I've, I've never been a huge Ben guy. And I, I will say last year I became more of a Ben guy, you know, especially like before he got hurt, he had a very good stretch of games. And I was like, you know, I, I finally, I finally am kind of on board, you know? And I, I had been one of the, one of the holdouts longer than most people. And I was kind of like late to be like, you know, I, I really like that. And I did, like, I really liked Ben. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why anyone would trade for him at this point, especially, like, you know, what what his value to the, to the Sixers as a perceived, you know, what the Sixers think his value is versus, you know, what you, what you would have to give up in terms of, like, you know, draft pick call that another team could offer to get him. I, I wouldn't give that. He looks worse. Maybe he's a little bit hurt, but he's still – you know, looks worse. And that makes me, like I said, reevaluate my stance on who I trade him for. Because, you know, if, if he's not worth, you know, the extra couple picks that, that the, the Rockets got to them, you know, he's 24, he's not 19. He's, he's more than five years older than some of the rookies entering the league. He's on a second contract. He's on a max deal. He's not on a rookie deal. He's not NBA young anymore. So what is his value as a, as a headliner for a, a trade for a superstar. Now, you know, we always say, you know, Harden is not going to be the only superstar to come available. There will be others. And yes, Ben's on a five-year deal, but Embiid's getting older. Embiid has a history of injuries. Embiid is humongous. Big guys get hurt more. And so 
you know, a lot of the players that, you know, we talked about this a couple pods ago, I would not trade Ben for these guys just because, you know, and I, and I said this, I think these guys would help the Sixers, but I, I see Ben as a guy who we need to be careful about who we would just suddenly trade him for because we want to make sure we're trading him for the right piece. As in, you know, we're trading him for a guy who's not, you know, a 28 win now piece, 28 years old, but, you know, a guy who's, who's like actually, you know, a compliment to Embiid that makes us a contender, not just a little bit better. I don't know if that's realistic. I think I was wrong to have said that because based on the, the hall for Hart, for Harden in, um, in Houston, I mean, Ben was not a huge difference maker. Ben, they viewed Ben as Jalen Brown-ish level, maybe slightly above him. They viewed him as Tyler Hero level, which I will say I understand. Hero is younger. He's a better scorer. He's still on his rookie deal. So if Ben can't be that, then I think I'm ready to trade him for a guy who offensively compliments Embiid. And it was kind of an eye-opener to me to see that, that he can't be that. And so, of course, now James Harden comes out first game with the Nets, has – Took his fat suit off first. Took his fat suit off, absolutely. (laughs) He had, I think it was like 30 points, 11 or 12 rebounds, 14 assists. Most of them to Kevin Durant, by the way, wish that was Embiid. Four steals and a block. And, you know, people were celebrating. Ben had like the world's shittiest triple-double ever a couple (laughs) games ago in 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 the second game against the Heat. Like, really, just like a, a fucking T.J. McConnell triple-double. And oh, hey, hey. Take it easy. slander. No, T.J. Animus. I love T.J. But he started a new wine pretend. Instagram, by the way. He did T.J. is awesome. His numbers dad. are not impressive. Yeah. And people are taking victory laps on the timeline that, oh, you wanted to trade this guy? And Harden comes out and has more points, more rebounds, more assists. Franchise record in assists, by the way more steals, and more blocks in his first game on the Nets. First game. First game with all these new teammates than Ben Simmons had in the game people were taking victory laps. So the franchise record for assists in his first game, this big selfish guy. And listen, whatever. But then I start watching, you know, fine. In my head, it's over with. I'm trying to move on. But Ben is just bad on offense. Not just eye test, but but like advanced stats say the same thing on off numbers say the same thing. And all those things obviously have to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, you know, like just like pure counting stats say the same thing. And of course, you know, um, you can't just look at one of these things, but when I test counting stats, advanced stats on off numbers are saying the same thing. He's regressing. And at, at best he's, he's plateauing. I mean, at, at best he's having a bad start. And at best, we can hope for what we've seen the last few years, which is the same thing we saw his rookie year, if not worse. And so I don't know what to do. It's upsetting. And, and I see Shake taking the leave. I see Joel taking the leave. Max, he looks incredible. Tobias didn't play great last game, but generally he's had more games where he looks better. And Ben sticks out like a sore thumb as the guy who not just could have been hardened, but is just sucking. Like, who's just not good enough, regardless of who he could have been traded for. And the, the guys who I think are better than him, the guys who I would trade him for after seeing 
the difference between what the Sixers and, Bro- and Brooklyn offered for Harden and who won out has completely shifted in my head after, after watching these last few games and seeing that package. I mean, I would add so many players to both of those lists. So I think when you bring up his value, I think it's true. So we thought the Sixers are holding this trump card and Daryl's going to slow play it. And at the end of the day, when he has to, and on Tuesday night, Harden basically was like, I'm fucking done, not playing again here. And then the next day they're all shitting on him in practice. It was like, oh, wow, this is happening. So when that happens, I always figured Daryl put Ben on the table and there's no offer that will equal him. Uh, and Pompey clearly, said that clearly Pompey said that no, agents were notified for Ben and right, Matisse. Right, like so they were far down the road. The right, 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 right. Um, I think probably what's true is that value varies around the league. And you talk to a GM in Sacramento, and they have been valued differently than Phoenix does. And you know, like I think that value and situation affect what team wants Ben Simmons. You know, not every team is ready to trade for a guy like Ben who is so specific in the things he can and even more of the things that he can't do um, that you need the right ecosystem for him. Obviously um, we had, we had misjudged that he was this ultimate Trump card. Simmons on the table deal gets done. Maybe a pick here or there, you know, clear, like at, but, and, and the same way value varies. It's like Houston valued like Karis LeVert pretty heavily. And then Indiana valued him pretty heavily, where as a basketball player, I disagree. And I think a lot of other front offices would disagree too. Um, In terms of his value plummeting because of this year, I just sort of would doubt that GMs around the league would use the 10 or 15 game sample size as do I or do I not trade for Ben Simmons and his five-year contract? I doubt it. Like he didn't play well to start the year, but lots of guys don't play well to start. Like it's worse watching every night because you're like frustrated by it. But I feel like there's a larger sample size about Ben, which is not all glowing, but it gives more, more, more details. People talk about how he may or may not be hurt. He looks totally healthy on defense. Like he slides perfectly well. He's running perfectly fine on defense. I don't know. I, I, I think he's healthy. Like, I think he's not playing well. Um, for me, it is, it is getting to the point where it feels like for both sides of it, it's probably better to move on. And like, because for Ben, me and Spike Eskin of the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast it seemed to like uh, hint at that Simmons was not thrilled about not being in the deal. Like, he sort of said some, like he had, he had heard, whatever, who knows. Um, for Ben, in his best situation, he hey, is What not is the, the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast? It's, um, you get it on your phone. It's a oh. podcast. Um, so for Ben, uh, his best scenario, if he's being honest, is probably that he's not like the main initiator for a team, you know? And that he doesn't play with a back to the basket center who needs a bunch of touches. You know, I'm not, this isn't to say how good his team, his perfect team would be, but just as a basketball player, he could be in a better situation. And the Sixers certainly could have a better skill set in that spot than him, because I think it gets really hard. And clearly this is all sort of snowballing. Um, Emily, what do you, where are you at with Ben in general, removed from the hardened noise? Like, for now, obviously, we can all admit he's not playing well, but where is your confidence level at with him, and what do you think? Um, I agree that he 
hasn't been playing well. We talked in our like group chat last night or two, whenever about that. Shake is definitely better has been, you know, surpassing Ben offensively. But I do think that we, as fans, as basketball watchers, a lot of time, like put more value on the offensive side of the ball where like, Ben is still really good on defense. And I think when we're watching a player and he's frustrating and he's not doing things well, we tend to focus on the negatives, not the positive. So I just mm-hmm. kind of want to like put it out there that like, he's still like a great defender and can when Embiid, if you know, Ben and Embiid aren't out there on the floor, like the defense falls apart completely where, so it's kind of nice to have another player that can kind of anchor on the defensive end a little better. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Ben's not playing well. I don't know if we've seen his ceiling. If we have, it's probably not what we had hoped it would be with the number one pick. I'm not opposed to moving on from Ben and trading mm-hmm. him. Um, I just really hated Harden and because I just think he's like not a great sure. person as I've detailed. But sure. it's not, it's not, but I but I also like like Ben because he's one of us. I don't know. I have like a bleeding heart and I hate to like give up on guys um but that's not like a rational thought that's like an emotional thought i so i so agree i mean if this (laughs) team had like dario and tj and covington and Embiid, Mm. that would be the best ever but uh obviously and is dying exactly no no no. i mean i understand i also would like to see Embiid holding a trophy which is how we get here dan you can't we have everything (laughs) yeah i just wanted to say like and, and I'm not saying Emily was implying this, but I want to like clarify my own thoughts on this, which is like, yes, Ben is still a great defender. Like Emily's absolutely right about that. But I think that a lot of times people draw this like arbitrary equivalence between offense and defense where it's just not there. Um, like, I think it's, it's really easy, you know, to tell yourself, oh, people undervalue defense. Whereas in reality, it's just as important as offense. And this is, you know, depending on how much you, if you give even the slightest bit of, of, you know, of mind to what advanced stats show and what GMs decide to do and what coaches decide to do, just not true. Offense is far more important than defense. I mean, think of, and, and I mentioned this on Twitter and Kevin Rice gave a great example that, he had someone when he was in college who insisted that Tony Allen was just as good and just as important as James Harden because one is great on defense and bad on offense. And one is where I guess, okay on offense and one is great on defense and or great on offense and okay on defense. Uh-huh. And, and it just, that, that does that, that's just illogical. And ev- everyone understands that that's illogical. And when we, we can't convince ourselves that Ben only has to play one side of the ball or that Ben is so good on the less important side of the ball that the more important side of the ball doesn't matter when he's actively hurting what MB tries to do. And that's just not, you know, me talking about fit. That's the numbers bear that out. And so it's just been increasingly frustrating to see excuses made for this guy. Not Emily wasn't making those excuses, mm. but it just made me think that there are people yeah. who are making these excuses and yes, of course, as Emily said, if you take Ben and Joel off the floor, both tremendous defenders, the team will be worse, 100%. But numbers show that if you take Embiid, or if you take Ben off the floor and leave Embiid, 
And, you know, last this was last year when there were, you know, better defenders than we have now. So it's fair to, to say that that's different. But the numbers so far this year, although it's early, are showing the same thing. And Bede without Ben is still fine defensively and much better offensively. So, you know, obviously you deal with the, the non-Embiid minutes, but, you know, you go to game seven of the Toronto series, the closest we've been to a championship, and Embiid played over 45 out of the 48 minutes that game. Those minutes don't become so important. And even if you look at that series, the issue was that the Sixers couldn't score. It wasn't that, you know, Boban or Greg Monroe were disasters on defense. Is that Jimmy and Tobias and Ben didn't do a thing on offense. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, it's time to, to look with, you know, a, 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 mind, a mindset of reevaluating where we're at, I think. Um, and I, again, I'm not saying I disagree with anything Emily said, because I agree with all of it, but I'm, I'm saying I'm making a separate point, which yeah. is that, that Ben is lacking <laughs> what we need most. Yeah. So we should move on. I, I wanted to throw in the, what Daryl is going to be faced with, whether that's at the March deadline or now or whatever is from like a cold calculating perspective. Uh, for Ben and whatever his highest value is around the league, let's say he canvases every other GM, um, is that more valuable to the Sixers and find somebody who's good at perimeter defense or whatever than it is to keep him here with what he's good at and what he's not good at? I think that it's it's seeming a lot more and more like for both sides before long it's going to to be a move on thing, which stinks overall because it would have been great if it all worked out, you know, but uh, I think that we're getting sure. to that spot. All right. Uh, the Sixers played games this week, not tonight, but earlier. Um, and we can speed through it. Let me know if you guys have any specific thoughts about these. They lost to Atlanta without. Sims. Oh, Emily has our, has our pick standings also. Emily, Emily has our pick standings. They lost to Atlanta without Simmons. They, Miami, they played with, I think, nine guys, including Embiid, and Embiid was out of this world. He was unbelievable in that I Tuesday night Miami game. It was insane. He was, like, it was dribbling awesome. up the court, hitting every shot. It was unbelievable. And that's one of those games where, like, I, you, we talk about, like, you know, don't play Embiid too many minutes. We need him for the playoffs. But this is, like, I'm, like, leave him in for the entire <laughs> – like, we need to win, like, game 10 of the season. Like, we yeah, need this game. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. Uh, he was irrational, but that's what it is. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, so then, then they had a Thursday against Miami and Bede was able to only play like 24 minutes. The young guys were great. Shake had 31, I think. Um, we can talk more about shake, but he's unbelievable. Uh, then last night, I think, yeah, yeah. Saturday night, uh, the Sixers played Memphis and lost. Uh, in a pretty like sort of sluggish game on the road without Embiid, which is stupid what, loss. Stupid, stupid loss. Um, they came back a little bit at the end. Shake was great again. Um, the Tobias turnover at the end of that game drove me crazy. Yeah, he, he stepped, stepped out of bounds. Out of right? bounds. Like what are yeah. there's like twelve seconds left. Like you gotta yeah. stay in bounds. Yeah, I certainly would prefer it. <laughs> Not that hard. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, tonight, Oklahoma City was uh, postponed. Uh, Emily, what do you have uh, insofar as our predictions for the, that last week? Okay, so I just made a – obviously just made a wash on the OKC game because that one didn't happen. So Dan was 2-2. Two and two. He thought we would lose everything. Um, but we only <laughs> I lost. thought we beat Oklahoma City. Though. Okay, uh, well, that's a cap. Yeah. Um, but we won two of them. <laughs> I, Me and you, Steve, were 1-3. We thought – 
um, they would win against Atlanta, Memphis, and the second game of the back-to-back. But they of the or the not the back-to-back, the Miami, you know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. The series, yeah. Yeah, this, the series are weird, but um, <laughs> yeah. So overall standings: Dan is ten and four, I am eight and six, and Steve is six and eight. I feel like I, I know that I'm in last place, but I feel like I'm gaining momentum. And you guys might not agree with that, but listeners. Call in and let me know if you agree. Um, the Sixers young guys are just killing it. This feels like, you know, I guess we would like anybody on the team that's young and cute, but it feels like a lot of guys we ended up being right about. Shake is unbelievable. I can't believe how good Shake is. Just scoring from three levels and being hot from three levels. Uh, Isaiah Joe is like a rotation guy. All of a sudden, he got like a three-point machine. He just like just throws him up. Gunning. He's like Covington so in that handsome. Way. Just so guns handsome. it out there. Wish he would wear his turtleneck. We'll see. Um, and get like a turtleneck t-shirt like Seth Curry. Like get a t-shirt but just could like be up higher. I would like him to cut off Steph's sleeves. Step, forget it. And just put them so, over his head. And, like, a turtleneck, like a <laughs> that's necklace. what I was going for. But yeah. I, I feel like I've had one of Dan's twisted tees. Um, <laughs> and then Tyrese Maxey's great. And he started it when the Sixers with the skeleton crew. Paul Reed came in there and threw some hook shots. He's hilarious. Matt Cord, uh, who's a really nice guy, calls him B-Ball Paul. I love it. Uh, anything on any of that uh, before we go to predictions and get out of here for Dan? Yeah, I, honestly, like, I know I just spent a while complaining about Ben, but I enjoyed the games this week. Like, yeah. I, don't, I, don't want it to, I don't want it to come off like I'm just, like, miserable and, and hate the team because I don't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything you mentioned was a lot of fun. Shake is awesome. Maxi obviously is not where, you know, Shake is Shake is really looking like he's, like, like legit. And Maxi right. looks like a rookie, but he looks like a really good rookie. Yeah. And, like, I'm, I'm really happy with the young guys. I'm really happy with Joel. Tobias has made improvements, although he struggled against Memphis. But, like, the team is fun. And, they're, and yeah. even with Ben struggling, they're better than I thought. And so, yeah. I, like, I'm not, I'm not doubling down on anything, like, the Sixers are better than I thought they would be. I still think they have to play a tough game in the first round and probably don't get out of the second round. But, but I would have I would have thought it was roster. Yeah, with the current roster, yeah. I would have thought it was worse before that. And and I don't say that to, to sound negative. I say that like I'm enjoying watching this team. I thought it was a, it was a fun week of games, even though, you know, at, at so the losses were not amazing. And and even the first win against Miami was like they didn't have their two best players and we did have our two best players and it took an amazing Joel Embiid game to win in overtime. Yeah. And like, if I step back and think about it logically, it was like, Oh, that was pretty a bad game, but it was fun. Like it was a fun game. I loved watching Joel do all that. Like I I'm enjoying it. Like, I don't mean to sound so like, so like so negative all the time. Like I love this. Like I love a lot of the guys on this team. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I, I wanted to throw in, I watched the Memphis game on delay. I watched it today and I thought Batiste played well today or, or against Memphis. <laughs> he had, uh, some steals and he knocked down some threes. I, I really don't want him to be as bad as he's been on offense and I want him <laughs> to uh, be better. It would be great for me. Um, Emily, do you have anything on the week or the young guys or anything? No, like, uh, yeah, the games were fun. I like these young guys that like throw up shots and it's always 
for some reason when they're like rookies every time they make a shot i feel like i should celebrate it and mm-hmm. like i don't and then I, but i also don't care if it doesn't go in so it's like a very like calming peaceful experience for me yeah like isaiah joe every time he shoots i'm happy when it goes in i'm really happy if he misses i'm still happy like it's right he's so cute. oh i i feel like we talked about ben a lot without speaking of missing he took a lot of threes this last, week. listen last night <laughs> last night shake swings it to ben on the wing in the guts of the game, as Mark Zumoff would say, just misses misses the three by like a good foot and a half. But but he uh, took it at least. He, took it. he, I, he really should have turned to a camera and be like, "Are you happy? I hate it. I hate doing that. I never <laughs> no, want to do it again." Do it. <laughs> All right, um, let's uh, go to predictions quickly before we get you to the interview with Molly. This week, the Sixers played the Boston played played the Boston Celtics Wednesday and I think Friday twice at home, and then they're on the road at Detroit. Um, what do you have, Emily? Two games against Boston and then at Detroit. I'm going to go... I'm going to go that they win them all. Because I, I just, they're just so good at home. That's why, Otherwise, I would have them split it, but like they're really good at home. And I would assume Joel is playing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them all to the Sixers. I will say they lose two. I think they lose the first Boston game. There might be some weird guys out with the testing. Um, And I think they will lose a very frustrating road weekend game to Jeremy Grant and the Detroit Pistons. Dan, what about you? So I think I'm going to say they beat Boston twice. I refuse, I refuse to pick them to lose to Boston as uh, unreasonable as that is uh i don't have it in me i i i would love to see him just like just do what the knicks just did to boston and beat him by 30 i can't stand boston um i think they lose to to the pistons blake's always killed us as bad as he's looked um steve hates derrick rose so i'm sure derrick rose will play great and um and jeremy grant former sixer so of course he'll play well and they're like right now, as of as of this recording, they're three and nine. So of course that that's seems the game the we lose. Oh, yeah, you don't on, worry about it. <laughs> on, on the road too. The Celtics games yeah. are at home. This one's on the road. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, like, picking us to beat Boston is more of a heart pick, um, mm-hmm. especially with the contact tracing. Um, yeah. And Boston, other than today, has looked like pretty pretty solid this year without Kemba. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm gonna say Sixers beat Boston twice, lose to the Pistons. Love it. Well, uh, good to see you both. Uh, enjoy this interview with Molly. Thank you so much to Molly for coming on. Thank you to Emily for coordinating that. Um, congrats to the Pistons on the win this week. Good to see you both. Uh, anything else, guys? Nope. Molly's right. awesome. Oh, yeah. Molly's enjoy. great. Awesome interview. We miss Molly badly. We do. The Sixers broadcast. Yes. Uh, good to see you guys. Have a good night. I'll see you next week. Good night. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We have Molly Sullivan with us right now. She is currently the Las Vegas Raiders reporter for CBS 8 in Las Vegas, but we all probably know her much more from our Sixers sideline reporter 
from 2012 to 2018. Um, me and Molly have kind of talked back and forth on Twitter. She took the time once to read my blog and tell me my dog was cute and it meant so much to How me. Is so we're Luna? so How's Luna? She's good. She's laying at my feet. Oh. <laughs> so we're so excited to have you. Well, thank you for having me, guys. I uh, and Emily, you know this because my first reaction, right? was a little trepidation because I get nervous with this stuff. Uh, but Philadelphia, and by stuff, I mean just talking about my time with the Sixers because there's a lot to it, right? Like we're not, we're, we're, we're deep around these joints. Uh, so I, I've turned down a lot um, in relation to my time with the 76ers. So, but Emily, given uh, my, my, uh, my respect for you, and how you, uh, you've you been in my corner since the jump. I, I wanted to jump on with you guys. So Dan, Steve, uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. Uh, we're very honored that that you took this opportunity to be with us. And Emily gets bonus points for forever now. Um, I wanted to start with sort of a <laughs> Not broad so question. Quick. Not so yeah, that's quick. Right. We'll see how it goes. I shouldn't, I shouldn't assume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to start with a bit of a broad question about, you can take it either about what you're currently doing or what you did with the Sixers, about your favorite and least favorite part of those jobs. Like what is most difficult and what is the most fun part for you? Oh boy, you're going to have, this is going to be a one question podcast. <laughs> all right. In the history of podcasts, I can go on. I'm very long winded. If you recall my post game interviews uh, and even some of my sideline hits, I can go on for days until they pull the plug on me. So uh, most favorite and least favorite, not to sound so like annoyingly like cliche, but my most favorite game is the last one. My most favorite broadcast is the last one. My most favorite assignment is the one coming up. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm always, mm. I've been good about being where my feet are. And it took a lot of reps and a lot of uh, extra work for me to get to that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I it's certainly here for those of your listeners who maybe or viewers, are we doing the Zoom? Or are we doing the audio? No video. Yeah, All no right. video, just All audio. Right. Well, for the Liberty Ballers, um, listen, you guys know that I spent eight years in Philly. Before that, I grew up in Las Vegas. So um, growing up in Las Vegas, I fell into entertainment reporting. I was horrible at it, chasing Britney Spears and Paris Hilton around town, uh, questioning life and why I have a degree from North Carolina. I'm an athlete. What the hell am I doing? Uh, but then I got the call to Philly, you know? And so um, that is why I'm in Las Vegas, that this is long-winded, again, right in my wheelhouse. Uh, but why I am in Las Vegas is I grew up here, and I have a four-year-old daughter. And we lived in Center City, Philly. Uh, right across from City Hall for five and a half years. I lived at Rittenhouse before that. But anyhow, uh, while I love the location, I would jump out and I, I love talking sports with everybody on the street, walking to, to, to get coffee or lunch or Soul Cycle, whatever. Uh, I love that part. I love the people of Philadelphia. It wasn't great for a kid. And growing up in Las Vegas, I, I realized, I woke up one day and I, I realized I was being very selfish. And while that was a great spot for me and I loved my job, I loved everything about the city, I loved the people, I needed a better life for my daughter. So here we are and with the Raiders for their inaugural season, which we just wrapped, 256 games, uh, the NFL season went off, I'm gonna say, without a hitch. And the playbook that they developed, I'm telling you, I mean, it is insane to be a part of this. And I know you guys, the Sixers are dealing with their own challenges right off the bat here and better to get this out of the way uh, and, 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 you know, and, and intensify the protocols perhaps a bit, you know, cause there's a way to do it. And the NFL showed that. So 
My favorite game, my favorite broadcast is whatever the last one was, uh, which was just this past Sunday. I got to go one-on-one with Brent Musburger, uh, who is the voice of the Raiders. And what a joy that was to to sit down with him. He's kind of like a Merrill Reese, you know, and you don't mm-hmm. say that lightly. Uh, Brent Musburger, he just, he has this ability to every single call. It's like the biggest game of our lifetime, right? Like, don't right. you feel like that? Yeah. I mean, he's doing some <laughs> rinky dink game and he approached that interview with the same grace and uh, tenacity. And I thought that was cool. He's authentic. Um, so that's my favorite. That's a long win. This is how this podcast is going to go. It was a great so, answer. Love it. It was away. a great love answer. It. <laughs> so could you talk for us a little bit about kind of the differences for when you're covering a team with like a media outlet like you're doing now versus kind of like your time with the Eagles when you were working for the team and you know especially I know I remember I've only been to one Eagles game but it was at the time when you were with the Eagles I remember seeing you in the stadium I was like hey it's Molly <laughs> and you know could you talk it's, you, know, um, you know could you talk just a little bit about like how um, on your end of the job that that makes a difference for you yeah, Dan, you're a Pittsburgh guy, so I don't know what game you, you were in on there. But one, <laughs> one time when I was working for the Eagles, I did those uh, red zone cut-ins, the highlight cut-ins, right? And, and I uh, was 70,000 people booing. I was like, what is going on? You know why they were booing, guys? Because I was talking about the Giants being down, and I had the whole link, you know, you know in my corner. And those are good people to have in your corner. So anyhow, uh, you know, listen, Dan, the, the difference is between working directly for a team and a news affiliate, uh, of which now I'm working for the CBS affiliate in Las Vegas, uh, are immense. I would say with my time with the Sixers, you know, my, my paycheck came from NBC Sports Philadelphia or Comcast Sportsnet back in the day. Um, but the Sixers had a very close, you know, grip on, we, we traveled with the team, you know, we're, mm-hmm. with, when everybody had their guards down and we, we saw a lot. Uh, actually, I won't say we, I will just talk for myself here. I saw a lot. I, I heard a lot and I could probably report on 2% of the things that I know. And so to say that I know where the bodies are buried, <laughs> it would be accurate. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't report it. I could report it, but I wouldn't have a job the next day. So it's that delicate yeah. dance of, yes, I'm a sideline reporter. Do I call myself a journalist? No, I'm a sports broadcaster. I mean, I, 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 I pride myself on, on knowing people and knowing what makes them tick and bringing out their personalities in these interviews. So never will you hear me uh, say I am a journalist, um, but working for CBS in Vegas, I will say, since everything is kind of fresh here, we just wrapped on Sunday, today's Monday, I don't know when this is airing, but uh, one of the biggest uh, differences just in working <clears throat> from Philly to Vegas is that you know, I would receive these newsroom emails, right? Like you have an email database and they go out, whether it's press releases or breaking news or certainly the influx that is going on around our country, um, you know, right now. And so you kind of have this moment where I'm in the middle maybe of crafting an email to um, our sports director, our news director, or producer, whatever. And I'm thinking I'm talking football and the defensive coordinator search when, you know, life as we know it is you know up in arms and you kind of got to check yourself because like we're talking sports and this is a privilege okay and i think that when you start to take yourself too seriously you get in trouble like we're talking sports here whether it's football hoops whatever and so i had a couple of moments throughout the season where it was kind of tough i'm not gonna lie it's not like i didn't want to wake up and go to work but it's like you know we're all dealing with different challenges right now anyhow 
um, we all got something. And so there were some days where I'm like, what, what am I doing? You know, we're, we're talking football, but like I'm reading these emails and it's like, but I'm going to pull a photographer away from like this breaking. I can't do that, but I also can't shoot my own stuff. So here we are. I can, <laughs> but it would be blue and grainy and, you know, we would be 86 <laughs> from the air. So anyhow, um, I think, you know, and I worked directly with the Eagles. I was employed by the Eagles for those two years after the 76ers. And that was just a blast. I didn't know how I was going to do, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed walking those halls and, 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 you know, I haven't told many people this, if any, outside of my family, but um, I can get kind of claustrophobic. And so uh, they call it the pit where all of the, uh, the entertainment and television and, and, and content folks sit. I, I couldn't handle it. Like it was just like we were all on top of each other. I'm sure they're not now, obviously, with the COVID-19 you know, restrictions. But I, I, I posted up in the team cafeteria with the Eagles. And uh, that may have been the most brilliant thing I've ever done in my life. And um, which says a lot, because in that moment, I, I had guys coming in, whether it's Doug Peterson or Nelly or, you know, Carson Wentz, and, you know, they get to see my, my face and, and, and that, you know, I'm doing things the right way and that I, I care about my, my work. Uh, and then I care about them as people, not as football players, but as people. And so, you know, I would, I would post up in that cafeteria. I never got kicked out. I don't know why. Uh, don't try things at home. But, um, you know, those two years, it was, it was great. And I got to walk those halls. And, and um, there's a sense of pride with that, you know. And, and now certainly being in my hometown, I interned for CBS here in Vegas. You guys know how many years ago that was? <laughs> Get this, 18 years ago, which is wild. Uh, the sports director... Um, right now, Chris Matthews, I interned for him. And so now to be full circle with that, there was kind of something where I was going to make a way for this to happen. And I found a way home. I found a way to cover this first season. Now what? I don't know. Um, but it's, uh, it's pretty fulfilling. So again, a long answer. I'm sorry. Something's never. We changed. like long answers. We oh, do. We All right. Um, <laughs> you, you alluded uh, a few times to the pandemic. I wanted to know how much more difficult that has made your job in particular uh, to do what you do this season with the Raiders? Oh, gosh, uh, Steve, let's, it's double-edged sword. You know what I'm saying? At one side, it's all these video conferences on Zoom. It's, it's you know, it, it's the access where I was enjoying going to practice every week with the Raiders. And then as Thanksgiving approached and Commissioner Goodell uh, intensified those protocols. We were no media across the league was no longer to attend practice. And I, I genuinely looked forward to going to that trailer and, and getting tested every day because there was, there was a sense of purpose. There was like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, like this is a big responsibility. I've got viewers who aren't allowed inside this $2 billion house in the desert, that of the Allegiant stadium, um, here that the Raiders built, they're not allowed inside. So I've got a responsibility to take these viewers as close as I can get. And so then when practice was pulled out from underneath us, oh man, I kind of had to, again, check myself, right? Like, dude, like now what do we do? Um, so yeah, the Zoom video conferences, eh, it's kind of like, I never thought I would miss a post-practice scrum. And in football during the week, I mean, basketball, <laughs> the beauty of the of the association, right? I mean, you got those back-to-backs, you have a bad game, the next one is up, bam. Football, win or lose, that week is long. So you gotta pace yourself. And if you wanna go straight and make a beeline on Wednesday to the, the hot you know, story of the week, 
you're going to burn them out by the time you need your 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 money sound bites on Friday. You know what I'm saying? So you got to right. pace yourself. I miss those scrums. And I never, I, I hated them before. Again, claustrophobic, but uh, you throw elbows in there. Um, I, but I hated them because you would get generic sound bites and everybody would get the same stuff. And it's like, oh, you know, you just cringe. Somebody like me where you want to show value, right? You want to show that, you know, you're, you're, you're okay, that you can stick around. And, um, but now I miss those scrums because I miss that personal interaction and looking at these guys in their eyes and really, you know, seeing what's really going on. So I miss that. But again, Steve, the double-edged sword of that is that's, that's the negative. The positive is I think all of us, it brought much needed perspective into what matters most. I mean, Brett right. Brown at the top of every single notepad, W M uh, what's most important? Not yeah. W M I. I was like, what's the I? Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> w M I what's most important. Brett Brown at the top of all of his legal pads, that was his go-to. And so he never lost sight and his beautiful wife, Anna was a big part of that because she maintained that perspective at home. You guys got to write that down as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think never losing sight of, of what is most important. And perhaps with the pandemic, football certainly looks different. Uh, life is different. Uh, but I think we'll all be stronger from this, I hope. And I know that in Philadelphia with the 76ers, you guys are dealing with it right now. And I hope by the time this goes to air, uh, things have cleared and everybody is healthy and, and, and back on the court and, and staying safe because at the end of the day, the, the health and safety of everybody associated with, with the league is, is of the utmost importance. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. So you mentioned um, like the scrums and coming up with questions. And I know when you were on the sideline, I mean, you had to come up with questions, you know, after quarters, after games and coming up with questions for our interviews. And this one, we've really come to realize like how difficult that is. So what are your, your tricks, tips and tricks to come up with those like great questions to really get to the root of a person and kind of pull out what's most important and what your viewers are going to be interested in? You guys don't need any tips or tricks. Let me tell you. And you know why? Because you're authentic and, and you care about 76ers basketball and you love Philadelphia sports and it's in your blood. And so you don't need any tips from me. I will say that, um, you, you know, I, certainly I, I joke about now being in Vegas and different radio interviews and such that I've done that Philadelphia was like an eight year boot camp for me, that I heard it all, that I saw it all. And I'm confident in those statements, guys. You know, I don't just say that with a, you know, I've seen it all, I've done it all. No, really, I really <laughs> saw it all and I heard it all. Um, and uh, so with that said, my, my boot camp, I remember Dr. J. Julius Irving was my was my very first interview uh, for NBA, uh, at the time it was CSN, wasn't it? And this was at the beginning of the playoffs, 2012. And Julius told me, and this is at the time when Joakim Noah goes down with an ankle injury, and the mm. entire Wells Fargo Center is booing, cheering, whatever you want to call it. They're making no noise for Joe as he goes back to the tunnel, right? And Dr. J turns to me and he says, Molly. If you can make it in Philadelphia, I don't care if you're a professional athlete, a janitor, a teacher, a, 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 a stay-at-home mom. If you can make it in Philadelphia, you can make it anywhere. And at the time, it, it stuck with me, and I thought, all right, I got to be tough here. I pride my, I'm tough. I'm an athlete. I got this. Da, 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 da. I had no clue what I was in for for the next you know, eight, eight years. I had no clue. So uh, I go back to that statement, though, and I think that you know, Philadelphia sports fans uh, there's nothing like them. And, you know, when I first moved back to my hometown here in Las Vegas, a lot of the questions were, uh, 
what kind of parallels would you draw between the Eagles and the Raiders? And at first on the surface, oh yeah, they're both passionate fan bases. Um, you know, I get that they're loyal, but it's so much richer than that. And there's nothing like Philadelphia. I will say that with, with, and I found myself, uh, defending Philadelphia sports fans on the Friday of week one, mind you, this, the city of Las Vegas has wanted this. We've been bark. And I say, we, I always cringe when people say we, but I can say we with Las Vegas. I grew up here. We were the, on the bargaining end for like the bigger, better deal with franchises trying to get on the bargaining chip. So finally to have the national football league in Las Vegas at week one, they're playing at Carolina and I'm pumped to talk about the matchups, whatever. And they're sitting there talking to me about the parallels between, you know, the Eagles and the Raiders and, and how horrible Philadelphia is. And I just went off on a tangent and I got short <laughs> and I know my boss, my current boss was probably like, oh God, we're, you know, Molly's feisty. We're going to, you know, <laughs> Philadelphia and her, she's got some street cred. Uh, and they were probably like, oh God. But anyhow, I, you know, I, I, uh, I will always defend you guys because uh, my time meant so much. And during a time where it was an extremely uh, difficult time in 2018 in the summer. And I was, I know you didn't ask me about this, but I will tell you, I was kicking and screaming when I uh, was told that, that the uh, NBC sports was going in a different direction, kicking and screaming. I was not ready to move on. And I will say that, um, uh, I will say that now I owe those guys a thank you note handwritten thank you note because it was the best move I've ever made and I, I, I say that I'm so grateful for my time with the 76ers uh, but I also know that it, it led me to um, it led me to across the street if you will and it led me home and it, it happened for a reason so I owe those guys and there's seven or eight of them but who's counting um, a handwritten uh, thank you note um, there's a couple at the top of that list but anyhow um, I, I, I don't listen you, you gotta like, I, I look at, I cringe when I go back and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm reminded through Twitter or social media of some of the things maybe I said at the time. Uh, and I cringe because it, I was super emotional. I was going through other stuff as well from a personal standpoint, that entire season, not to mention that 10 win season, I was going through a lot as well, but we all are right. We all got stuff. And I hate when people like, uh, just as an example, I hate when people say, oh, I'm so busy. I don't know. I'm so busy. Like, we're all busy. We all got stuff. We're all fighting battles nobody knows about. And so I look back to that summer of 2018. And, and while I was kicking and screaming at the beginning, and I'm sorry for that, but, it, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to move on. It was the best uh, move of my career and perhaps even my life um, from, a, from a personal standpoint. So uh, here we are, not to get all deep and philosophical, but... Um, but here we are. Sorry, guys. Off on no, a we love it. We love it. Right. This might get you on another tangent. Um, so <laughs> I've heard you say in interviews before, um, back when you, you were with the Sixers, like how there was kind of like a fraternity of sideline reporters. You guys would get together when you were traveling. And I was wondering if you've kind of found that in the NFL as well, especially um, as like a woman in sports, a lot of sideline reporters are female. Like, have you been able to find a kind of a group again in the NFL? Good question, Emily, because that's one of the things that I, I missed most right off the bat was my sideline sisters and even my brother, Jason Jackson, down in Miami, who is the dean of sideline reporters currently. Um, yeah, I, I, I missed that because we would always kind of swap war stories pregame and and kind of um, just have each other's backs. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, we are kind of competing and we're all competitors and, and, and you want you always. Well, 
I, again, I will speak for myself. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be on the floor post game, getting that interview, but leading up to that, if, if I could help somebody out, I remember, um, Christmas day, 2017 and Lisa Salters was the, uh, was the reporter on that national game broadcast. And, um, and, and I tried to talk to her pregame. I wanted to pick her brain about a couple of things and she wanted nothing to do with me. Um, but then Joel, she wanted to know a couple of things on Joel because there was a certain point where, where Brett Brown was in the face of, of TJ and I, he really was in the face. I even asked mm -hmm. TJ about it post game and, and Lisa wanted to know about that. So it's like one of those things where you gotta be genuine. You gotta be there through the highs and the lows. You gotta be there for the right reasons. And the sideline reporters for the regional networks around the association, uh, it's, it's a really neat thing. With the NFL, certainly, um, you know, I, I, I covered now four or five seasons here in, four or five seasons, four or five months here in Las Vegas, certainly no traveling. So I think I miss the traveling aspect because that's where you, you get the gold. Um, you know, and with the Eagles, again, I didn't travel. I was, I was in the trenches uh, in Philadelphia. So um, you know, it, it's, it's different, but I will say that I, I have worked for the NFL network. And to me, that is the pinnacle, the way that these guys approach, not only the game broadcast, but during the week, you always hear coaches say in the NFL, you win the game during the week. Right. And NFL network is just as professional as it gets and they do things the right way and they care about people. Okay. Again, it's not just about everybody's replaceable, everybody. Um, but if you got the right people, if you got high character, if, if you don't have all these agendas, you get a pretty damn good product. And that's why NFL Network, you watch it and it's classy, it's sharp, it's intelligent, um, and, and, and you see their love for the game. We all love the game. And that comes through. Again, we're talking football here, right? So, um, you know, I, I, I can certainly appreciate what they got going on in, uh, in, in California with the NFL Network. But anyhow. Uh, the N NBA silent reporters, there's something special. And um, I still have a couple of friends that I, I stay in touch with. Um, Rebecca Harlow, for one, the Knicks sideline reporter. She was on a couple of your uh, national games for the, for the playoffs. And I remember when everything was very fresh, she was on one of the games and, and I, I had to, <laughs> this is when I was still going through stuff and like, I hadn't quite separated from the Sixers and I was still, you know, wanted to be out there. And I remember I corrected her on something or, or I gave her like, I don't know. I, I wanted to show that I knew stuff. Right. Yeah. And so I gave her a little nugget and it didn't go off great. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I later apologized for that, but I just wanted her to know the real story was something that she was doing. And I kind of just stepped back and anyhow, I'm better when I'm busy than I don't see that stuff. And I can just blinders <laughs> on, but Rebecca is a doll and, and, and the league is, uh, is filled with them. So, um, as you know, uh, Las Vegas native and current resident, you know, they just got a hockey team a couple of years ago, just got a football team. Like you mentioned, um, this year's first inaugural season in Las Vegas, there's been talk about the NBA adding two expansion franchises. I'm so happy you're going here, Dan. Let's get, <laughs> let's get the rumors mill going here. Keep it yeah, going. I mean, what do you, going, what do you think? I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people have, you know, of course the first thing everyone points to is Seattle. I feel like that's always what you hear, but people have talked about Las Vegas too, as a possibility. How do you, I mean, I'm assuming people will be really excited. I know you'd be super excited, but, but you know, how do you feel that a basketball team would do in the city? Oh man, please. Can I be the spokesperson for this to happen? I mean, yes, if, do it, do it. If there, and, and Dan, you preface that question by saying 
you know, Seattle, of course, right? Seattle, of course. Seattle's always in the mix. They've, they've had their chance. Move over. <laughs> you know, the desert, beautiful things happen here. Anything is possible. You look at what the Golden Knights did in their inaugural season, and it was bigger than hockey, as it often is. But in that season alone, if you're familiar with the story, I mean, it doesn't get any more real than that and how the community rallied um was phenomenal and you don't think that the raiders and the and the nba uh you know you don't think uh commissioner goodell and 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 adam silver were watching closely at how las vegas uh supported the golden knights and and everything that went along with that they were watching closely taking copious notes you know what i'm saying and so the raiders come in town there was no entitlement guys and i mean this genuinely there was no entitlement of hey you know in las vegas there's a there's a retirement community where People are from all across the country. And so you've got a lot of fans here. You got from all different, you know, area codes. But you've also got the younger generation where you can mold them. They don't have to be in LA or Arizona or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so therein it lies the opportunity. And the Raiders saw that. And so they come to town amid a pandemic, the only NFL team, you know, to, to move into a new community. I'm not talking a stadium who cares. I mean, not who cares about that, but there's not real, any like big changes. Uh, so far is, is, is amazing by the way, but, uh, to move into a new community and they did things the right way. They didn't move in and say, yo, you gotta be fans of the Raiders because we're here. And we've done this back in the day with all of our legends. And yes, we haven't made the playoffs since 2016. And, you know, you talk about that 2002 season and making it the Super Bowl and all of that. They didn't talk about all that. They 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 care about the community and it wasn't like a press release. Like Community Tuesdays in the NFL is is big and because the NBA obviously the season happens so quickly and there's bam 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 games. The NFL the week much of it is devoted to community. So Community Tuesdays, every team around the league goes out in the community. They do their thing. Uh, I will say this: the Raiders didn't have a Community Tuesday. Their community week it happened every day where it wasn't for the cameras it wasn't for the headlines or like the end of the year walter payton you know man of the year award of which is amazing and 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 rightfully so but it wasn't for that it was for kind of just setting a benchmark of listen we're coming in here we're coming into your turf and we we want to do things the right, right way and owner mark davis uh you guys know his story i mean he's he's hard nosed he's tough and um, there's a commitment to excellence that that reaches far beyond the norm. Uh, so I say NBA, let's go. We know what Adam Silver thinks about uh, sports betting as a whole. I had an exclusive with him uh, back in the day. And this, I will say, it was December 15th, 20. And I know this date. Don't ask me why. We'll go off on another tangent. If you do. <laughs> December 15th. 2014 and I had a sit down with him in the stands and we talked about the time the big the big story was you know legalized sports betting and 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 how you know the commish has always been forward thinking and innovative and um you know he dude he loves Vegas and the summer league NBA summer league man we That's crush right. it and for those of us gym rats and I, the four of us are gym rats um it is not easy to crush summer league and Las Vegas continually crushed it. Um, and I just think that the NBA would be a perfect fit. Um, but I, you know, I, I won't be holding my breath because I think that the Raiders have um, so much to be proud of and to continue to work for. Uh, but if the NBA happens, Lego, you know what I'm that saying? That would be exciting. 
Yeah. Um, I was wondering when you think back about your time uh, covering the sideline for the Sixers, do you have a moment or a couple moments that stand out as your favorite during that period of time? Gosh, you know, um, gosh. So Steve, I've gone down, if you follow me on social media, I've gone down a rabbit hole recently because like, you know how on your iPhone or Facebook or whatever you get on this day. So, you know, I've been a little emotional lately. I got to toughen back up to my, my filliness, um, (laughs) filliness. Is that a word? Check my heart. Um, but I, you know, I've, some of those moments have come up and so I've rewatched some interviews and, um, some of them I cringe because I, you know, I didn't ask this or that, and that's just the perfectionist, the athlete in me. Um, but for the most part, I'm just so grateful beyond measure because there was, there's so many stories to be told. And you look at that 10 win season. I was pregnant during that season. Okay. And there was lots of stuff going on and to be able to come to work and, and, and tell a story beyond, I don't know how many people were watching outside of my parents and you guys, but right, right. broadcast, uh, but to, to, to tell a story uh, beyond the X's and O's, to be down by 40 against the Clippers at the half and to be the only right. regional network to have their head coach on at the half to ask questions. What do you ask a guy when you're down 40 to the Clippers at the half, right? Um, well, I, I found out. And so I've got tape for days that I can show (laughs) my daughter and my grandkids, uh, when they grow up and, um, I don't know, there's, there's not one favorite moment, Steve. There's not, it's just a collection. I am so damn proud of the work that I put in with the 76ers that I, if, if we're based off performance metrics and all that jazz, yada, 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 whatever, I'm most proud of the, the respect and how you guys, um, uh, embraced me. And you, you saw that I was doing things the right way. I mean, I walked into that locker room on day one at Indiana growing up guys, you know, and I will say Michael and bird, it was one, a one B situation. Don't let doc J's know that. Um, <laughs> but you know, walking into Indiana where Lou will ultimately made that, that buzzer beater, uh, leading them into the playoffs. But anyhow, walking into that locker room, they're all like, who's this new girl, right? So you, you walk in with confidence, you walk in, knowing that you know the game, that you're there to tell their story, that you're there, you have a job to do. And I took my role and I continue to take my role extremely serious. Don't take Mm -hmm. myself seriously, obviously. Um, But I I take what I do extremely serious because I think there's a responsibility there. And so there's not one moment, but the collection of being in Philly with you guys, that's what I'm most proud of and and how you guys embraced me. So thank you. We were all very proud to have you as a part of our weird family, you know? (laughs) Not weird. Not weird. (laughs) It's... (laughs) It's, it's funny you brought up, you know, like, what do you ask Brett Brown when he's down 40 at halftime? And it's like, is I think those funny, are funny, Dan. I don't know. If that's <laughs> it is funny <laughs> because right. those are the moments that like we look back on as like, you know, those days, you know, when, yeah, like not a ton of people were watching, but like, you know, a lot of people were also watching every single game. And like, You're right. it was, a, it was, it was, you know, it was a big thing. Like, you know, we, we understood who the Sixers were. We understood, you know, what they kind of, you know, what the seasons were going to look like. We knew there would be games like that. But, like, you know, it was very nice to, you know, be able to, to go through it with, you know, we, we love, you know, you, we love Mark Zumoff and and Malik and Allah. Um, so it was, it definitely made, you know, it a much more enjoyable experience. But then you obviously had Joel Embiid come in. And I was wondering, you know, he has a big personality and we love Joel. He's, 
so funny. He's so much fun. And what's it like for you to, you know, very often be talking to him after games and, you know, be trying to, you know, bring out, bring out the best in, in someone like that? How, how do you go about that? And what's that kind of like uh, in that role for you? Well, Dan, I'm going to address that. But first, something flashed in my mind here. Shame on me for saying that I thought only my parents and, and the four of us were watching the broadcast because I know that's not an accurate statement. I mean, I, I know that so many people watched that entire season, the real ones, and, and the real mm-hmm. ones shine through because they get it, you know, and you, you can't fake that stuff. So in terms of, of Joel, um, we actually, we lived in the same building along with, with Ben Simmons for, mm. for a period. Um, and so I, I got to know a lot of these guys, like I said, I, I traveled, I was the only girl on the plane. Um, I traveled with these guys and I would see them. I was often up, um, I would go to bed early. I never really, um, went, I never went out, which perhaps hurt me in the long run. Um, but it didn't hurt me in terms of character because in the morning I would get up early and I would run and I had my game day specific and I would, you know, run into guys at certain times. And specifically with Joel, you think back to before he even hit the court, before he even made his debut and, and questions were swirling. Is this guy in shape? Is he lazy? He's getting room service. He's doing this. He's doing that. You think he doesn't read that stuff? I don't know if he still does, but he did. And he, he came to me and he, he loves his red grapes. And we were in Boston <laughs> and he came over to me and he said, he said, Molly, and he's eating his grapes. He says, do you really think, and I forget the number and I, you know, I don't want to just throw a number out there, but do you really think I'm X? Like, what was it? I, I don't even oh, know. His weight. Yeah, yeah right. The, there was, the weight, whatever the, the, the projected weight, the headline, whatever the guys, you know, the beat writers were doing. Do you really think I'm this? And I was like, and I just looked, cause I didn't know, I didn't know the direction this was going. So I just kind of looked at him. He goes, watch what I do. And I go, okay. So what did he do? He wore white pants to the game. Okay. He wore white <laughs> pants to the game. And he said, do you think that I'm this weight and I'm wearing white pants? And I said, dude, I get it. And it was something <laughs> like, he's a big teddy bear, man. Like he, he cares so much. And to see him grow uh, has been very rewarding for me because when I first started covering him, he was a kid. And so now as a father, that's pretty damn cool. And to see his interviews uh, improve, he's always been a great interview. Ben Simmons has been, when I covered Ben Simmons, he was a tough one. He was a tough, and I will say tough. He's growing tremendously in his interviews and kind of just taking a breath and realize that he doesn't have the weight of the city on him, that he does not need to try to be someone he is not. He is who he is, and he can let that shine. And so while I have, uh, I have not watched a home broadcast uh, for the 76ers since I, I uh, went across the street and now across the country, I, I would tune into the national away games. And so to see these guys grow and develop has been, has been cool. You know, because uh, they were so damn young when I when I covered them, and to go through what they did and to come out on the other end better for it—that's not easy. And there are so many things that have been uh, left untold, and perhaps will always be left untold, um, that went into to Brett Brown's time with with the 76ers and and beyond. Um, that just it, it makes it pretty damn rewarding when you see the individual growth and Joel Embiid is one. I, uh, I, uh, it's been fun to see him mature. So I was watching, um, like a 17, 18 highlight reel of yours today, just a bunch of sideline oh videos. Boy, I'm and- sorry. 
No, it was great. I said, I was, I missed that. I love this team, but I missed that team. It was like Cove and Dario and they were just having so much fun, like dumping water on each other. Cause that was like the first real year that they were like back in the league, like making the playoffs, shocking everyone and really doing their thing. So it was just like so fun to see. Um, but we were talking about, you've covered, you know, college football, football, basketball. I was reading up, you've covered some boxing. So we were wondering like, as a former swimmer, is there anything that you haven't been able to do that you want to do? Like, can we get you on the Olympics? Like, what can we do here? What, what else are you interested in covering? I will say that I, I did work as a swimming analyst for Big Ten Network. So I got that off my list and out <laughs> of the way. Uh, in terms of me being a boxing reporter, Bob Arum and his family, uh, close friends. Uh, so I worked for Top Rank here in, in Vegas. Um, before, like when I was doing off seasons, when I was single, I would come back to Vegas for the off season and then come back to Philly. Um, this is where Isabella was born. Um, and so I worked for top rank, but I was horrible at it because I would get so damn invested with these guys. I mean, it was a difference between putting food on the table for your family and multi-million dollars. And there was nothing in between. Like it was either like, okay, uh, or this. And I didn't do a good job with that. Uh, so, so anyhow, well, I respect uh, Bob Arum and everything that he has done for our community. We are not going probably that route again. Uh, I'm loving the National Football League. There's, there's something beautiful about how every game, everything matters, literally everything matters. And it's such a team sport. And I know I'm being so just like, if, if, if you don't know me, you're being like, oh my God, this girl is so annoying, but legit, like, that's what I, I, I truly uh, value. And the NBA, sometimes you can get some egos. I'm not going to say sometimes. Uh, most of the time, you're going to have egos. And guys that maybe um, are, are a bit younger and perhaps a little bit less cultured, they've been not around. They haven't experienced as much as perhaps a football player in the National Football League. You know what I'm saying in terms of, I'm not just talking college, but maybe just in general. Um, and certainly with injuries and such, there's a different mentality with the NFL where they, they throw on their helmet and they're warriors. Now, with that said, as a reporter, therein lies the challenge because there's a different personality there where NBA, you get those golden sound bites because they know it's kind of like a game. Like I'm, I can help them. They can help me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I need your story and they want to get across whatever message they want to get across. Sometimes dangerous. We know that. We, Emily, roll the tape. Uh, but with the, with the NFL, it's oftentimes uh, difficult to, to, to get these guys, their guards down because they are such warriors, right? And they don't want to show any vulnerability or uh, weakness. And so, but I've enjoyed that part of it. And when I was with the Eagles, my favorite part of it was sitting down with these guys uh, in a one-on-one -on -one conversation for game day programming. And I, I enjoyed that the most, you know, anybody can talk X's and O's and, and whatever matchups and blah, 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 blah. Let me, let me sit down with you and find out your really real story because guess what? They're not going to play football for the rest of their lives. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I often tell young uh, sports broadcasters that are coming up this as well. You got to have a plan when the red light comes off because it's going to go off and then what? And you don't want to panic and make drastic decisions. You want to have a plan. So work your plan, plan your work, Kind of like here, we want to share some behind the scenes info here. Zoom stopped <laughs> our original recording. And the lady told us, all right, the Zoom recording. So we're recording the second time. Uh, you got to have a plan when that happens. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying my time with, with the NFL, but again, like there's a lot more in life that I want to do. Um, and I was asked that question. Uh, it's, it's a different tangent, but, uh, well, well, what else would you do if you, if you, if you weren't a reporter for channel eight, what else are you going to do? And I was like, how long do you have? Cause there's a <laughs> lot of things that I want to do. And at the end of the day, as long as I make my daughter proud, as long as I make the right decisions, I'm okay. As if, whether that's in the NFL or the NBA or whatever, as long as I'm doing things the right way, I can sleep at night. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I have a hypothetical question for you. Um, <laughs> Love if those. you had the opportunity to interview one Sixer who played during your tenure covering you're the team reading for- off a no- You're reading off your notes. I'm giving away the secret, Steve. Go ahead. I am reading <laughs> I off the notes. You. I already love it's you. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, this is a person you get to interview them for a full hour okay. um, where they cannot tell a lie. Oh. Who would you choose? <laughs> And, and I, why I, is it Elliot Williams? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. I would, I would, um, I would never be able to make that choice. I wouldn't Stop. be able to make. I would, I would make you guys the viewer <laughs> because technically I work for you. I work for the person on the other side of the TV. So who cares who I want to interview? You know what I'm saying? It's not about that. It's about you guys. So you guys decide. And I think, gosh, there's there've been, you know countless interviews where where they're answering and I'm like that's not the truth that's not (laughs) totally not like and so you got to learn like you kind of pick your battles and do you do you follow up do you do you do you go hard hitter there or do you take a step back and recraft your question uh post game or or the next day or let them breathe so it's it's a delicate dance man so I don't know Mm -hmm. who I would who who would you want me to sit down with that's the question um Markel comes to mind, Markel Fultz. There's a lot that I think, you know, especially if you have to hear the truth, uh, yeah. you would, it would, that would be interesting to me uh, to hear, you know, what all went on. And uh, that's, that's to say that I don't know the truth. Right. Okay. So right. Um, yeah. Uh, sitting down with Markel would, would be a great story indeed. You know, I, yeah. there was, there was one, Emily, I don't know if you saw, I, I posted that, that one where I was trying to talk to Dario post game and, and overcomes Justin Anderson and he wants to get in and be funny. And then Markel and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I've been rumored that Markel was going to make his debut the next game. So let's get Markel. And then he goes in playing games. You know, that was at the time where they were video bombing and being <laughs> 12 year olds and whatever. Um, I'm glad to see that they grew up. Uh, but you know, you, you kind of got to just pick your spots, man. But Markel certainly would be uh, would be a good one. And I'm happy to see his growth. Yeah. right now aren't you guys too and For that's sure it's great and that's well, why he comes like, back healthy yeah. So, yeah thank you so sixer fans nothing like them because you wish them well you know what i'm saying there's no animosity there there's no like you've set us back or yeah. or you, you wasted this or that or another thing whatever i mean he's a human being and he was right. young and uh he still is young so uh his story is is certainly far from from finished yeah yeah so Kind of on that same that same line of you know wishing wishing the best for maybe people who didn't have the best time here, uh, you were not the only person to leave the Eagles for Las uh, Las Vegas football team. Yeah, Nelly. This year. <laughs> go yeah, Nelly, and, go. And Nelly looked to be pretty good. So I mean, how how fun was that for you to kind of see him, you know, figure some things out and and kind of you know go through the move, you know, and he's going through the kind of the same move. Have you guys? you know, talked about that at all. I was just wondering if you could talk about, about Aguilar a little bit. So in this unprecedented season, 
lo and behold, and I covered him closely and told his story to all in the Las Vegas Valley that would listen. Uh, I'd never even spoke one-on-one with Nelly this season. How insane mm. is that? Because, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, we would have the video scrums and he would come in, but we, we don't have access. We don't have that one-on-one. They, the Raiders took this very seriously. They're not, you know, it's, if, if I saw him at the gas station, he might, you know, make a fast break to <laughs> wherever, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know, there was just a, such a responsibility that everybody just kind of, you know, kept a laser focus and horse blinders on. Um, so, you know, w- once I get a chance to sit down with Nelly and tell him how damn proud I am of him, that 85 yard catch was a beauty. And then of course, who, who makes the next play? Another uh, Eagle, Matt Collins, which put the dagger in the heart of, I know, what are you going to do with Fitzmagic? I know, <laughs> but uh, Nelly in particular, and I was on the radio this morning here in Las Vegas. And I think, and you guys will get this, when, when you've got a talent, and not only a talent, but just uh, an experienced talent that has been there, done that, like Nelly has, and I'm so darn sick of all those memes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've seen um, the, the memes and everything and whatever. He's so much more than that. And so I think now to have this, this rejuvenated career, I'm not going to go to like a Randall Cunningham uh, change of scenery level yet, but it certainly uh, would appear to be the case to have, you know, the, the this production that he had for a cool million. I mean, they got to lock him up. So yeah, go Nelly, go. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a couple last questions just about Philly in general. So what do you miss most about the city outside of your work and outside of all that? Because I know that you live, you know, downtown. We are a town of great restaurants and a town of great things that sometimes people don't appreciate. So just letting you uh, get it out there. What kind of things do you miss most about the city? I miss the people, Em. I miss (laughs) the people. I really do. And I had a a moment early um, when we moved and uh, uh, I'm not going to go there. Uh, (laughs) See where I go. I got a zip it. The Zoom lady stopped recording earlier and she had my back. But uh, I miss... I miss the people, genuinely. I miss I miss talking sports. I miss talking life uh, with the people on the street, you know, and, and, and whether they recognize me or not. Um, maybe I just had an NFL ball cap on and they wanted to talk, you know, football or I've got a, a Sixers uh, vintage uh, hoodie on and they want to talk hoops. So I miss the people. You know, nobody works harder than the people of Philadelphia and they expect their teams to work just as, as hard. They need to reflect you know, what the city is about. And that's what I respect most. Outside of the people, I miss Santucci's. Tomato mm. pie. Give me a tomato <laughs> pie at Santucci's. I miss, uh, I miss the, 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 the Philly pretzel factory on Sansom. Tommy's the owner there. He hooked my daughter up with a third birthday, big, you know, mini three pretzels. Um, but I just, I, I miss the energy of the city. And I know there isn't much energy right now, but but this too shall pass and there will be energy again. And, and in terms of the recovery of Philadelphia and certainly the city of Las Vegas, I mean, our, our new stadium, Allegiant Stadium will play a major role. I just did a story on it and how, you know, that will, NFL football will play a major role in the recovery and um, comeback of the city of Las Vegas and much like Philadelphia. So I, I miss the people and, and the pizza. How about that, Em? How's that for you? It's beautiful. Pizza is good here. Yes. And you've mentioned um, your daughter a few times. So you moved out to Vegas with her, but she's a Philly girl at heart. So how are you you cultivating that Philly Philly girl out in Vegas? Is she, is she still an Eagles fan to the Raiders fan now, I guess? 
Well, well, it's in the blood. I mean, she is yeah. a Philly girl and I will make sure that she holds true to that. That's very <laughs> important to me. I mean, she was born at Pennsylvania Hospital. She again uh, went on all those 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 road trips uh, when the Sixers won 10 games that season. She saw it all. I remember Brett Brown, I think I was six months pregnant and Brett turned to me and, and he was yelling up a storm at shoot around. And I was often uh, outside of Brian Seltzer, who does a phenomenal job, by the way, you guys are mm-hmm. so lucky to have him. Uh, he, me and Brian were almost always the only two people inside shoot around on the road. And he, Brett was going off and he turned to me, not me, but my kid and said, I'm sorry for the words, the language. <laughs> and, uh, I thought, I thought that was neat. And so, um, Brett and I had countless conversations on, on family on life, again, on what is most important, that WMI that we talked about at the beginning of, of your podcast here. And um, I'm just so damn grateful for, for those lessons. And he is such a good man. You know, he's such a good man. And uh, don't get me crying. We almost got through this bad boy without <laughs> me crying. Um, but yeah, I mean, my daughter, she will always be a Philly girl. Um, but again, I grew up in Las Vegas, so I, I got it. She's got to have her mom's back a little bit. Um, but she, you know what's funny is that she calls football. Like we, I took her to Allegiant Stadium this for our past show, and she correlates football with parties because she's only been around training camp. And so at training camp with the Eagles, it's a big party, right? You got Rita's, you got, you got Swoop, you got everybody. Uh, and she, she, uh, certainly grew up around basketball. So I think she's partial to basketball, but what, what do I know? You know? <laughs> wow. Well, th- I think this is everything that we had. Uh, thank you so much. We can't thank everything you enough and for more. everything and more. It was yeah, so great. This, yeah. That was, it was awesome. so thank great you. to have you. Um, is there anything that you'd like us to get out there to, you know, social media, whatever you'd like us to tell people? No, no. I just want to say thank you, genuinely, the three of you. And Emily, I know that you sensed I was a little nervous at the beginning because <laughs> I, I get nervous talking about the Sixers still. Maybe I'll get to a point where I don't and I can just let it flow and I don't <laughs> zip it. Uh, but I, I just want to thank, you know, Liberty Ballers uh, at the core of, of everything that the Sixers do. And um, they're lucky to have you. Okay, they're lucky to have you because now being in Las Vegas, um, it's it's different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 you can't fake this stuff. You guys, it's in the blood. It's generational. And and how lucky are the 76ers to have you guys care? And you care whether they win or they lose, whether it's beautiful or ugly, or you scratch your head and think you don't even know what it is in between all of that. <laughs> so thank you for caring. That's all I I really want to. Thank you so much. This was so nice to meet you. No, yeah. back at you. Well, I owe you guys all a drink. You come to Vegas on the other Let's side of this because this is going to pass. And when I say you guys, I'm not talking necessarily to Liberty Ballers as a whole because you're going to make me broke. <laughs> I'm just talking to you three, but maybe yeah. a, couple more a couple more in the mix as well. Thank no you plus for, ones. Uh, Don't worry. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for, the, for the invite, Em. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much. Thanks, Molly. See you guys. You. Bye, Molly. I mean it. You better come here and visit on the other side. I yes, will. I'll bring I... my uh, I'll bring my future husband. We're getting married in a couple of months. Oh my so. gosh! Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. Did Steve already jump out? He was out of here. He does that. He, he like done. He a peace he out. Says, I know he's he out now. That's it. <laughs> Fine. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again. Bye, Molly. Best of luck. See you. Bye. See you. Bye, Dan. Bye, Emily.